Hi guys, welcome back to Casting Commons, the show where we talk and discuss everything proper. I am your host, Teasdale, and this is my co-host, the Tan Tash Warrior himself, <laughs> Reese. Hello. So, Paul, with our mini hiatus, what have you been up to in the past couple of weeks, I guess? Yeah, nice to be back. Oh, definitely. Um, I think, first of all, big thanks to Callie for, for jumping on with you while I wasn't here. Um, it was nice to actually be able to listen to an episode while <laughs> I was away. I bet that was uh, fairly and weird. And not have to listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've, I've been away and then the week after you were away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't really got that much magic in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played with the Lord of the Rings a bit, bought a bit of Lord of the Rings. The set's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some standouts for Pauper in there as well, which is cool. For sure. Um, I built up Ultratron in paper. Great. Um, so <laughs> that'll be fun next uh, next week at FNM. Give that a go, see how that goes. Um, but that's it, really, magic-wise. You? Yeah, I didn't really do much, to be honest. Um, while you were away, I set myself up to do some recordings. Obviously, still kind of trying to make sure I covered two videos a week. So with the absence of casting comments, I posted a... I did a post a ponza like a grill ponza and then like a blue red ponza. You and did the I'll, top five. And then well, the top five you? as well, yeah. yeah. And that that was basically it. And then after that, my only engagement is I watched Pop again, basically on the Sun Lounger, getting some yes. That was about it, which was sweet to watch. For sure. Yeah, it was. It was really good coverage. Actually, I was. Mm-hmm. I was quite impressed. Yeah, definitely. Like definitely, they definitely put themselves out there a bit more. For sure. I definitely, um, I really like what, like I previously over the f- last few times it's been on, I've definitely watched it. I tend to watch it on like mute because most of the time it was obviously in Italian and unfortunately I don't speak Italian, but it was great. Pretty much every time I, I'd say easily 60, 70% of the time I was watching, it was, it was all in English as well. So it was really even easier to follow on. Yeah. Um, so it was great because obviously we had, they had Gavin on, they had Cali on, they had quite a lot of great names and it was really great. I think most of the top eight was in, in English as well, so it was even great to watch. Like a great user experience. So mm. kudos I to I think on, on that subject, obviously, while we've been away, there's been two pretty big paper, paper events. Mm. Um, so for this episode, we're gonna, we are going to we are gonna cover the challenges um, from last weekend, mm-hmm. um, but we're just going to skim over them and then mostly focus on um, those uh, paper popper event at Leeds and pop again as well so we're going to look at those instead for sure it's definitely a it's nice to obviously cover other events other than challenges as well because it shows as we'll get into the difference in the meta game as well which yeah. is pretty oh, big. Yeah, definitely so should we go into the stuff that everyone's here for the challenges and obviously the paper events yeah so our our first challenge was Saturday the seventeenth of June. Um fairly standard top eight, I'm gonna say. Mm. Um first was Affinity, second was Mono Blue Fair, um, third and fourth were Boris Symphon Affinity, uh, and then fifth through eighth was a Black Green Gardens, another Mono Blue, um, a Pingerburn and a Mono Blue Terror, which is probably the outlier there. Mm. 
Um, and then the near misses in ninth and tenth is uh, another black green gardens, and then um, a cold author burn rather than the pinger burn. Um, so yeah, I, I think from there, obviously the main the main players that you expect affinity, mono blue, mono red, all performing really well, and gardens as well continuing to show it's it is a pretty legit deck at the moment. Mm. I would I would actually openly say it's it's definitely up there and if it's not a tier one deck it's pretty close to a top end tier two for yeah. sure. It is a it's proven time after time that it is well it was one of the most it's been one of the most played decks for the past few challenges previously and it still shows that it's still putting up a lot of results to be fair, so Yeah, I think it's quite interesting in the way the lists still aren't really set either. Yeah. Um, every time you see a gardens list do well, it's different from the last list that did well. Um, even these lists, they the ninth place and the um, is it top top eight one? Um, and and the same, they're, mm. they're very different. So that's that's interesting to see as well. Definitely. The another thing I guess to note is Boros Synth, which I guess without touching on. Other results that we're going to cover, which is obviously after this, um, there's the Boris Synth deck, which you look at it and you think with Popageddon and obviously the breakout deck there, like you look at it, it's still you would think, oh, it's just going to be it's someone testing for Pisa or what have you, and it's just not. It's just like a I don't want to say a completely different take, but it's it's pretty diff. It's very very different. It's how I would imagine Boris Synth was before Batafist as well yeah so which is definitely an interesting because it's like seeker of the way and um it's like uh wet, wet invitation and prismatic strategy yeah. isn't it which is a bit of a bit of an odd one For sure. um no no battle fists um at all yeah so it's definitely an interesting take on it it's more like a, an old school boros synth i guess it's like i would say this is more of a list roughly when synth first came out yeah, I guess looking at it, it's sort of edging closer to like White Weenie, which is burning. Mm. Um, obviously, you've got the four synth, but then basically the red after that is only for the for Gal Blast and Lightning Bolts. Yeah. Um, and then all your threats uh, are white, your removals, journeys, uh, and then you've got your prismatic strands as well. Mm. Um, yeah, Wedding Invitation is a bit of a weird one. Obviously, it's a bit of a combo with Seeker, but past that i don't really get what it's doing other than sort of a bit of a weird wellspring impression yeah it's pretty much it's like a wellspring or a um golden egg kind of slot and i guess if you're if you're replacing this for a golden egg like it's pretty similar in a sense like i guess it filters your mana and maybe gain your three life but and then yeah probably worse if there's you expect a lot of burn but Mm. And you've only I got guess. one munitions as well. Sorry if you were to play wellsprings. Yeah. So like yeah, I yeah, yeah. kind of understand it not being a wellspring, but then you know, you, it it is a strange one, definitely. It definitely stands out, but you're used to only seeing it in like Tyler's tribe and things like that, so Yeah. Definitely an interesting one. But yeah, definitely a sweet top eight. Um definitely nice to see as well, but um the Terra deck and the synth deck kind of bringing some sort of refreshing eyes to it i guess the terror deck's pretty yeah. interesting as well i guess it's pretty similar to 
the one that we highlighted a couple of weeks back, I think. I think we made it up with the serpentine yeah. curve and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it might even be the same list, to be honest. Mm. Um, but it, if not, it's very, it is very similar. Um, it has got otherworldly gears in, which I can't remember if the other one did. Mm. Um, which is sort of just a, a way, a, I guess, turbocharge your terrors out as fast as possible. Um, it doesn't draw cards, but it's pretty close to a card with flashback. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, cool list. Um, it's nice to see it still. Obviously, it doesn't really put up numbers of pilots, but has now top eighted twice. Mm. Um, and the, there was a couple of other top 32 results as well, if I remember rightly. So, um, yeah, it's cool to see. Sure. Um, yeah, but that seems to be fairly solid top eight. Don't know if you've got anything else to add to it. Um... No, I think that that's probably enough to, to touch on it as, as we wanted to. Mm. Um, if we move on to the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Sunday 18th um, of June. Uh, again, a similar top eight in the sense of it's got the, the big players in. So first was Affinity again. Um, second was blue red fair this time rather than mono blue. Um, third and fourth was Ponza um, and uh, another mono blue fair. And then fifth through eighth was Jeskai uh, Wildfire or Jeskai Ephemerate, whatever it's called these days. Uh, a Kiln Fiend, which is a bit of an interesting one. Uh, another Affinity and another Ponza. And then the two, the ninth and tenth was a blue black terror and a, a Ping of Burn getting in there in tenth. Um, yeah, so more solid results from Affinity, Mono Blue Fair, um, and Ping of Burn squeezing in the 10th there. But quite interesting to see the Blue Red Fair do so well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, uh, the Blue Red one's quite, I guess it's pretty good if you're expecting a lot of fear, but I feel like we have kind of passed that as well, like where Mono Blue's like completely everywhere. But obviously, I'd like I I we don't, I don't have access to the numbers. I don't I've seen the numbers on like the percentages and things. But it is an intro. It's pretty good. It's like kind of like hedging against the mirror almost. With obviously yeah. having access to like smash to dust, electricery, obviously removal. Um, it's interesting to see that it's as well. Obviously, this is before um the new Lord of the Rings set, which obviously you get cast yeah. into the fire as well, which is a, another great addition for the deck. So, it's, a, it's a huge add that really yeah. for the sideboard. Um, but yeah, it was a it, not a a wild off the wall blue mm. red fearless. The thing I thought was quite interesting was the ponder preordain split. Um, mm. it was running two two ponders in a single preordain, um, which is a pretty peculiar in Popper. Like usually preordains, especially in phase, chosen quite highly above mm. ponder. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, again cool to see a blue red face sneaking in there. Yeah, that's a. Is this two disrupts in one dis one copy of disrupt in both top eights as well? Because there's a copy in the mono blue terror, and then a copy yeah. here. I didn't even know this card existed until I just <laughs> read it. It's a pretty cool one. Um, and two vapor snags as well, which is a interesting one as well. Especially when like mono blue is moving away from like snap effects to sometimes run like bind the monsters. It's interesting that mono blues kind of went for four bolts, four screds, and two 
Yeah, snags. So yeah, def- but... interesting. Right. Definitely an interesting take. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I've got on that is the um, third third slash fourth place Ponza was splashing wide, mm. um, which I haven't really seen done before. Usually, yeah, you could either green red Ponza or the rug Ponza. Mm. Um, I haven't really because it was just for a cyborg card and then four Goliath Paladins in the main. Is that right? Yeah, and a Dawnbreaker cleric in the main as well. All right, okay, so it's a pretty heavy white splash. Um, mm. Running a, a Timberland Ancient to the forest cycle for, I guess, an active tree line. Um, yeah. And then a single plains. Um, yeah, it's pretty peculiar. Yeah, it's definitely, but it, it's it's odd, because obviously we've dubbed this like Ponza without the lack of a better word. It, it is very much like a Naira initiative, isn't it, really? It's like, yeah, because the it, it's kind of went for Goliath Paladins, for Avenging Hunters, and then it's cut down on the Ponza effects. It only runs one thermal cast and three Acid Moss, which is really, yeah. really, really odd. Because obviously the big staying power is the amount of free wins you get from just blowing up people's lands, and it just kind of wants it as an option, but doesn't want it to be its main plan. It's just going to. And yeah, then... it does have the other three thermocasts in the border mm-hmm. as well, so it can like change back into that. But yeah, you are you are probably right. It's more of a green white initiative deck mm-hmm. running the the other elf utopia sprawl shell from Ponza. Um, would yeah really light on the on the Ponza effects. Yeah, it's it's quite a weird like hybrid because obviously like the green white there's like there was a green white um initiative deck. Which I think Adapto was running like quite a while ago, and it was like had like settled beyond reality and ephemerates and things like that. So it yeah. kind of was going hard on like flickering the initiative, and it's kind of went like a weird in between where it's it's got the Ponza shell, but it's got also the white splash for a Goliath Paladin and Dawnbringers and such. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely a cool one. So yeah. Have you got anything else to add, or would you like to move on to looking at the paper events? Um, I think I'm kind of I'm all right. To be fair, that's definitely. I think we've covered it off. Everything was very. Sick. I guess. Do you want to talk about the kiln fiend? I guess see if there's anything interesting there. Just quickly touch uh, yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, we can we can look at it. It's always interesting to see kiln fiend still existing. Yeah. In a world full of uh, hydroblasts and uh, bolts. Um, I guess it's got a, a one-off G2 amplifier, which it's not stock, but it's not sort of unheard of. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's a fairly stock-looking Kiln Fiend, in my opinion. Yeah, it's looking fairly stock to me as well. It's got three lightning bolts in the main. Is that that seems a bit, you know, out there? I guess. Yeah. Like, potentially. I mean, the sideboard is three. Um, raise the effigy. Which is oh. a bit of a an interesting one. It's a an attacking creature pump spell or a destroy artifact. Mm. Um but yeah, interesting to see it do so well, really. It it's not the the nicest field for it. Um but I guess if you're on the play against a bunch of Ponza decks, mm. you you're probably in for a good time with Kill <laughs> yeah. They don't have that many answers. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine running into mono blue is pretty rough. 
Yeah, I don't know how this beats eight hydroblasts. <laughs> when you're only packing four pyroblasts. Yeah. And it's sort of pyroblasting not really where you want to be no. in a Kiln Fiend deck either. So no. it's sort of a, I guess, a necessary evil mm. to fight the, the way the meta is shaping up. But yeah, top eight from Kiln Fiend. Yeah, sweet, thought, sweet, thought, sweet to see. Bit different. Yeah, I thought you might we might as well mention it because it isn't something that you see very yeah. often. So definitely. Um, do you want to move on to leads? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, just for those that want an overview, basically, um, it's a rapidly growing. The leads events are basically a, they've been done now like two now I think previously because we've been at two of them. Yeah. So this one we're going to talk about is the third. Is the third one. And the numbers have just been growing incredibly well. Like, there's a um, a guy who you should all definitely follow on Twitter. He's called Papa Dan. And he's basically thriving for a community UK-based. And he's trying to get everybody together. So, ourselves up here, uh, people in Scotland, people in London, people in Newcastle, people all over the spot. Basically, trying to get them together. Everybody knows when and where Papa's played throughout the country. And he's trying to get everyone together to obviously play and grow this pop-up community in the UK. So he's doing incredibly well. And it's really nice to see, especially for us who really enjoy Popper. And we attended the first two when he first started out. And the first one had, I think, 27 players. And the second one had 34. Um, both times, we both went down. And Reese came second in the first one, playing Cold Author. And he played Cold Author again. And took home the win we back to back called authors <laughs> this is what happens when you play to win oh. <laughs> um but the event obviously numbers wise has done incredibly well it had 51 players at the at the weekend and we believe the next event will have a cap of 64 players with pre-sell pre-sold tickets um which is also Great to see. These are great. These numbers are really, obviously, really expected. So if you're in the UK, please follow Papa Dan and check out like all his events because they're all well run. And he also, because he's trying to get everyone to grow, even if an event's ran up in Scotland, up uh, down south or whatever, he, he links and just talks about all these different events too. So it's great to see. So definitely check him out on Twitter. And that is enough of that plug, I guess, and an ex explanation of the what north of pop the northern popper open is um but the top eight if you, you would like to cover the top eight i guess yeah so it was a, a cool yeah really cool top eight um first place was walls and um, second place was familiars third and fourth uh was an ultratron and a mono blue fear uh, and then fifth through eighth was uh affinity and um, what i'm gonna dub blood crazed burn Mm. It's like a, a more of a classic burn shell running blood crazed goblin, um, a mono black devotion yeah. ish deck, uh, and then a, a familiars familiars with spellstone sprite um, package. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a, a pretty open top eight. Um, again, you're seeing that you're seeing the big players, although it's not. A stock burn, there's a burn there, and then mm -hmm. an affinity and a mono blue. Um, obviously, the paper hero of Ultratron is there, yeah. Seems to whatever paper event Ultratron does really well, yeah. 
Um, and then a decent chunk from Fams as well. Yeah, Fams is a surprising one because when we went to the past two events, I don't think there was anybody on Familiars. Not that I noticed no, anyways. I didn't notice any either. And then for two people to be on basically Fams-ish. In the uh, top eight, in yeah. the, And top eight is pretty good. So it is a solid deck, don't get me wrong, and it does get better in paper. Uh, similar yeah. to Ultratron, obviously has chess clock issues on Magic Online, so generally you'll probably... I always, I, I personally think Ultratron is probably one of the best decks in Pauper yeah. right now, but it's you don't see it often, and we don't cover it very often, basically because it is, for a lot of players, unless you're like Kali or whatever, you know, it is hard to play on Magic Online. So yeah. paper gets it's so much easier. Um, yeah, I think if if we get more paper results like we have here, we'll see more Ultratron yeah. um, and cover it a lot more. Because yeah, yeah, like like you say, it is probably one of the best decks, sort of on par with the likes of Affinity and Mono Blue. Yeah. Um, but it's so much harder to play effectively in the in time on Magic Online. Because mm-hmm. um, even loops, like if you set up an infinite loop, you still have to click through all that to get mm-hmm. it to progress. Um, so it just eats up so much time. But um, yeah, definitely, it's cool. Cool lists to be fair as well. Like going into them roughly, you've got the walls was, fair, I would say I don't want to say stock, but it was fairly fairly old school. Obviously had a, a scab, a repository scab, which is a pretty nice combo with um, the reaping of the graves. Yeah. Um, you've got the like selection of one elves, one elvish mystic, one finhorn elves, one lamor elf, all that sort of stuff, and then your standard four of caretakers. So you're not running the reacher. I can't remember what the reach elf's called. The spring. Oh, just virus sentinels. Yeah. That's yeah, it was. I thought it was interesting that it basically forgoes the white in the sideboard completely. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't run like the Avacyn's Pilgrims or the mm-hmm. Jesper Sentinels for the um, the Acolytes, the Monored, the like, Crimson Acolyte. Guy. Crimson Acolyte. Um, obviously, I guess he, he either avoided Monored or was able to play around it quite mm-hmm. well, but that does seem like quite a big loss, um, mm-hmm. especially in sort of the meta where we are at the moment. Um I thought one leaf caller as well was probably lower than we usually see. Yeah. But again, that might be a. I'm I'm not running the white. The sideboards, almost, fully mono green. And mm-hmm. um, so you maybe don't need to lean on it as hard as the, the, more standard wall decks that we see. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's nice to see walls do well because walls is. Very much, it's a solid deck. It's been around for a while, and it kind of flickers in and out of uh, doing well, top eights and positions. It's either really well positioned or really horrible, and it tinkers its slots to suit. So it's quite nice to see. Um, two crash and draw bridges was interesting as well. A card that I've, I've never really seen in walls. It's usually mm. the tuk tuk rubble fort that generally replaces that. So yeah, it it has the like a one of rubble fort as well. Mm. Um. Yeah, drawbridge is an interesting one. Obviously, I guess a two mana or four that's colourless against mm. something like mono red maybe gives you a bit more game there. Um, yeah. Especially if the more cult or three builds. Mm. But yeah, the interesting walls list. Obviously, not yeah. 
not dissimilar to a stock list, but yeah, some interesting choices. Definitely. And then the f- both fair lists, uh, sorry, both fam lists look fairly stock as well. Um, Meeting the Minds, Merchant Scrolls kind of taking a sort of appearance occasionally. Nothing too out there. The loose focus is generally a nod for Cascade, uh, Ponza. Mm. Generally, like they started adding at it just to have it as an out. Oh, yeah, that's that's pretty good value. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, the, the Merchant Scrolls quite interesting. I've not seen that before. Um, obviously, you're a lot more involved in the fans' Discord mm. than I am. Um, but yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a good one, especially with like meeting of the minds appearing. Like Merchant Scrolls kind of showed up a bit more in lists as like a one off, just yeah. to help with meeting. It's like it's like like here with only three meeting of the minds and one Merchant Scroll. It's kind of a fourth meeting of the mind, but then it's also something else if you need it as well. If that yeah, makes yeah. it, so it's it's pretty sweet to be fair. So that one that fairly was fairly. I, I always say stock because it's. Definitely got interesting card choices. Obviously, gone back to a Stonehorn Dignitary, which quite a few haven't got played since Kuldorth's down t- downtrend. Um, yeah, this is the the normal fan list, isn't it? Yeah, not the fair millions or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of cool card choices to be fair. Like ones that have just kind of been in and out of play. Like obviously, with the mnemonic wall, you've got essence scatters and exclude all in the sideboard. So it's definitely. Stock-ish, but not too far off the wall either. Yeah, Exclude's a pretty old-school choice. I haven't seen that in quite a while. Yeah. Um, I remember playing that in uh, Mono Blue Fear back when it wasn't the uh, biggest menace known to man. <laughs> um, yeah, the Ultratron list was quite a interesting one as well. Um, it has a, a Reckless Fireweaver in, which I sort of viewed... As a like a faster wing con for Mordor, hmm. I, I guess I wouldn't have thought it was that necessary in paper. Um, but he's got a, a one of here. Um, also quite light on the weather the storms main with only two. Um, usually it's three or four in the main. Um, just to cover off that swift spear, double swift spear start. Yeah. Um. The list's pretty interesting. To be fair, I do, I do agree. They've gone only one Kinsmith as well. Is that I feel like is that the number they've kind of ended on? Like I say, I don't really follow Ultratron too much. Yeah, from from what I've seen, obviously it was quite hyped when it first came out. Mm. Um, but you only really need one to set your loop off anywhere. Um, and four mana is a bit clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you run so few lands. Um, obviously it's running 17 lands, the four of each Tron land, a single swamp, a single polluted mire, and then um, three crystal grottos. Um, mm. I guess the swamp is another interesting one because it, it does run ancient stirrings. Um, and along with the weathers, usually if you've got stirrings and weathers, you're probably on a forest. Mm. Um, but it's cut down on both of those, it's only on three stirrings and two weathers, so I guess the black. Is probably slightly more needed. Yeah, I guess also getting a black generally pseudo gets you a green, like a one hit green. I guess for the most part, if it's a deadly dispute. Yeah, with the disputes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting a treasure. Um, 
But you've obviously got three refractors and also three grottos. So I guess he, yeah, just highly hoping that basically Bargain and Deadly Spew are just much better than Weather and Ancient Stirrings, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, cool to see. Obviously, yeah. in paper, it does obey a lot more than it, it seems to in mm. on Magic Online. Um, just because it's a lot easier to play in paper. Yeah. Um, the Fairies list was a bit more interesting than I expected. Um, running the four um, of one mind as the draw spell and the four snaps, mm-hmm. but with uh, two cryptomancers. Um, so not going with the golems or the... Bind the monsters. Bind the monsters, um, but still having a bit of a different tilt. Um, mm. I'm not really sure what it... Oh, I cut down on mutagenic growths to fit the cryptomancers yeah. in. I guess um, that kind of makes sense. It's not yeah. free, but still increases toughness and also a protection spell. So I guess yeah. kind of. Yeah. Um, and then its, it's sideboard is fairly stuck. Um, a bunch of blasts, um, some annuls, uh, some relics to hedge the terror matchup. Um, mm. And then a one off curfew, I guess, is a. A sideways hedge against Bogles or or similar. Yeah, definitely cut cut down on what is it? it looks like steel sabotages that you would usually see in the side. I guess for yeah, that sort of stuff. But yeah, definitely, De- definitely more interesting than normal. I do like cryptomancer in fairies, but I don't know if it's better or worse than the mutagenics or whatever. Mm. Definitely a nice one. I wouldn't mind the... nature and back a crypto. No, no, it does give you some extra value, I guess. Um, the affinity list, not a huge amount to say, is fairly stock. It's a, a four serpent list. Mm. Is the main highlighting point. Um, it seems pretty low on the draw twos, I guess, from what I've seen recently. With only two thought casts and three mm. reckless bargains, a lot of them are up to ten, ten through twelve mm-hmm. draw twos now. Yeah. Um, but past that, it's yeah. Fairly stock affinity. Yeah, I'd say looking at this, like I don't know the ins and outs of the card choices, but it looks fairly similar to the four month ago Popageddon affinity list yeah. that was that ran. Yeah, that was yeah. like the first of its thing to go on for serpents and things like that. That's kind of what it stands out to me as. Looks yeah, like. I can see that. But um, yeah, but again, I guess paper metas kind of might change slow, especially locally or. You know, mm. so I can understand why it kind of is that sort of list. That's what it looks like to me, anyways. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the burn list. This is the one. <laughs> so it's a uh, yeah, a very weird burn, but nice to see. Um, it's more of um sort of an old school burn. Mm. Um, with like four serum blazes, four skewer the critics, four rift bolts, four lava spikes. Interestingly, running four flame rifts as well. <laughs> um, which hasn't seemed really that much play in quite mm. a while. Um, but then the star of the show, four blood crazed goblin. Yes. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, a one red mana for a two-two goblin. Um, and it can't attack unless the opponent has already been dealt damage this turn. Um, so it's essentially a one mana two-two, which relies on you burning your opponent for it to attack. Um, yeah, they're, they're really interesting choice that I haven't seen before. No, no. 
it's it is an interesting one to be fair. I guess the big thing, like burning someone's face, isn't that hard, obviously, for the deck. The deck's no. stacked with it. Um, I guess my only thing is generally with like burn patterns, apart from playing uh, like Ren's resolves. Generally, like in old older burn lists, like not older burn lists, the other burn lists. You generally yeah. after that you generally want to attack with your switch fear and then see what happens before you throw the burn at the face. But obviously yeah. with the blood craze goblin, you kind of want to do Priced that before. Yeah, but yeah, um, it, it obviously it's basically all of its spells are just burn spells. It doesn't mm. run any of the draw twos. No, it no. doesn't even run um, needle drops. No, as like a cantrip. It's basically just hoping to, I guess, jam a guy on turn one and or turn two and then ride it to victory by smashing a lot of bad spells yeah. out. Um, the other interesting thing to me is that this one's baffling to me is the, I don't even know, Blister Spit Gremlin? Is yeah. that? It's a one of, um, and it's, for those that don't know, it's a one mana one one and it's one mana tap, deal one damage to each opponent. And then whenever you cast a non-creature spell, untap the gremlin. So it's effectively a thermal alchemist that costs one, but it can attack, but then it costs one to tap as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really odd choice compared to thermal or just flame breather in general. Yeah. Um, personally, I'd probably have went with flame breather because I, I can't imagine... It looks pretty tight on mana anyways. Um... Yeah, definitely an interesting one. And it's just hoping that it's just going to burn the opponent quicker than they're going to burn you. Because I don't think Flame Rift's very popular at like recent history because with burn being everywhere, you taking four as well as them taking four is usually a downside. Yeah, it's pretty horrendous in the mirror, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming with four Fire Blasts, four Flame Rifts, you're basically just hoping to fall your opponent much quicker than they're going to fall you to death, I guess. I imagine four fire blasts is probably too many for this deck yeah. with only ninety mountains and yeah. no draw spells. Mm. Um, I think I'd probably be on closer to one or two, mm. um, yeah. to free up some slots for for the likes of like needle drop or, well, probably needle drop plays best in this type of yeah, build. I agree. Um, but yeah, um, it's a very different list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Interestingly enough, as well, looking at this. No end of festivities. No. Besides to go for lava dart in the sideboard as opposed to end the festivity. Again, another interesting choice. I'm... You can see, yeah, with, with the sort of downtick of Cold Author, um, lava dart's almost good in like the same against Fear. Mm. Um and the the lava dart as well sort of can trigger Blood Craze Goblin multiple times. Mm. Um, as well as Swift Spear, obviously. Yeah, I guess my my only thing is, if you go Lava Dark, your spell stutter, your Blood Craze Goblin can't attack. Where we don't. Then you just sack your land and yeah, and, <laughs> and then it yeah. could attack. <laughs> I know, but you're in four Fire Blasts and also four Lava Darts with nineteen mountains. So yeah. that's that's. But yeah, definitely a cool list, anyways. To without the, looking at the nuances of card choices, yeah, but yeah. it's definitely a sweet burn list because. Even without Blood Craze Goblin, you're probably just going to win games just by Rift Bolt, Seer and Blaze, and Skewer the Critics. will carry a lot of burn. Um, yeah, definitely an interesting one. Yeah, uh, the last one I guess we'll be looking at is this Mono Black. 
I'm saying devotion deck. It's not sort of like a classic mono black devotion. No, um, but this is a sweet list. This is a, a yeah. weird, a weird one that I kind of want to like thing on. Like I really like this list. It's very odd. Some of these card choices, like murder. Don't get me wrong. That's probably not a card choice I choose. Like there's a lot of different options that I would have over murder. Um, <laughs> is is basically the one of that I wanted to. It is a one of murder. I'm assuming it's basically just a straight up. Here's another cast down, effectively, but it's three mana. But yeah. you basically you've got access to snuff out. You've got access to spin and darkness. You've got access to there's a four mana. Can't is it tendrils? It also just runs three defile. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that as well. But again, <laughs> it's it's mono black um, devotion list. It's obviously not typical. It's running two deserts, three barren moors, and a bajuka bog. And three Martry Myers. So, like, it's not even running Witch's Cottage, which was also a swamp. It's yeah. just running 12 swamps. So, like, Defile here seems yeah, overall pretty bad as well, with the mana base, that is. Because it's not like which It's got three Martry's Myers, which is also an interesting choice when you do have access to Witch's Cottage, anyways. Which doesn't. I guess. When he's only running twelve swamps and three barrows, one but you two de- deserts, that the witch's cottage isn't going to trigger all the time, I mm-hmm. guess. But looking at the seven tap lands makes me question the uh, two succumb to temptations as well. Yeah, which is one black black instant. You draw two, lose two. Mm. So surely with that many tap lands, you want the two mana ones instead. Yeah. Um. Obviously, there's two dark bargains on top of that, which is sort of a similar card. Um. Yeah, as as like your card draw ish engine. Yeah, but I do two pestilence. You you your star of the show is back. Yes, <laughs> I do like the idea of the as I say the dark bargain and the succumb to temptation in a traditional mono black. I like the idea of it, where obviously you're holding up removal. Nothing happens. I get to cast my draw spell. I I understand like, but this one it this list generally looks quite conflicting. It's trying to be like yeah. a mono black control deck and the mono black devotion deck, which is more like a tap out control. Like usually stalling the board with combat switches and you know chitin rats and all that sort of stuff. Which again is another card that's not in this list. It's favored in Liliana's Spectre. Which I think the the succumb in particular, um, you'll probably if you even if you want the instant speed mm. version, that I believe there's just a two and a black, you draw two lose two. Mm. Um, obviously you've only got two colorless lands, but you do have two colorless lands. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you may as well just play the one that you're guaranteed to cast mm. every time. Um, I'm not entirely sure if there's a reason why there's it's succumb over that. Um. But yeah, that yeah, that would probably be but, my first change. But you basically you're running eighteen kill spells as well, which will probably yeah. carry most of your games. To be honest, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was obviously not including the pestilence. And... The, the four guests verdict in in the mains an interesting one. Yeah. Um, fully committed. It, it does seem very heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a cool list. It's it's kind of mono black devotion. You've got four specters, uh, Liliana specters, which is replacing the chitin rats, 
which is a 2-1 yeah. flyer that um, makes each opponent discard a card, which I don't know if that's better than Chicken Rats. Personally, it's weaker. It does fly. Yeah, I think with the amount of end the festivities in... Obviously mm. not in that one particular monorail deck we've seen, but in monorail in general. Mm. Um and even like munitions and things like that in Affinity. Um uh, it doesn't seem that much better or, mm. or better at all really than mm -hmm. Chitter. Um Witches as well, down to two witches in sort of a fairy heavy meta game. Yeah. Seems not the greatest. Yeah, and only one Crypt Rats as well, which yeah. is, to me, one of the all-stars of Mono Black Devotion, but generally, it's so good right now anyways. Like, look at Gardens, it generally runs, like, three. Uh, yeah. The, the, the card's just incredibly well-positioned, and then chooses to run one, and then no Unearths as well, which is usually another combo with Crypt Rats for yeah. Mono Black Devotion. Uh, I guess the other thing to point out is three... Garry's or Grey Merchant, um, and no Vampire Sovereigns either. They yeah. kind of replace that. Yeah, you are pretty light on the life gain, um, mm. especially when you're playing things like Feed the Swarm, um, Dark Bargain, Succumb to Temptation, and Pestilence. Mm. Um, you've literally got, what, the three Garry's. Um, is that it for the life gain? Yeah, you've got two Tendrils in the board. Which yeah. again is a lot worse in this particular mono blacklist because you're only running twelve yeah, months. True. But yeah, definitely a sweet one. Sweet to see mono black devotion because I really do like the deck. I think the deck's really yeah. fun to play. Generally, I'm a big fan of combines between chit and rats, Gary and people to death. <laughs> Magic how Richard Garfield intended. <laughs> but definitely this list is peculiar and the card choices are definitely interesting. And again, another list that seems quite conflicting. Overall, yeah. Um. Obviously, we've kind of covered the uh the eighth deck, the eighth place list, which is basically just a fire familiars deck with four fairies here, four spells, stutter sprite, and other than that, it is genuinely pretty stock. Like it's just there is an extra counter spell which costs gets reduced by sunscape familiar. Uh, works with ghost and flicker and ephemera to counter spell. It turns them into counter spells. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think even compared to the the second place one, it, there's not a huge amount really that you wouldn't expect in this. No, definitely. I'm I'm surprised both lists ran the nature's chant as well. Definitely yeah. a, a old school tech for affinity when generally dust to dust and revoke are generally better. Like you do get the cost reduction from it being green with the hybrid, yeah. but not. But destroy is just generally a lot worse than exile. Exile, yeah. Because if if destroying a mountain force is infinitely worse than exiling it or a land as well, for sure. But yeah, so moving on from that, I guess we have picked mm. one deck in particular to highlight. Yeah, we've. I guess we've sort of highlighted, highlighted them all. all the top yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one outside the top eight that we both thought was really sweet. Mm. Um. And it was uh, Paul Izzard's Blue Green Simic Gates Infect. Yeah, let's deck. go with that. Um, yeah, uh, basically a, a really cool Blue Green Infect, um, but also running the Gates package alongside Embiggen, mm. um, which is something we 
don't really see because it's not on Magic Online yet. No, it's not. Um, it's a for anyone who doesn't know, it's a single green mana instant. Um, and it says until end of turn, target non-brushwag creature gets plus one <laughs> plus one for each super type, card type, and subtype it has. Um, so that. <laughs> I guess translated, that means basically your infect guys get um, plus one, plus one for being a creature, and then plus one, plus one for each of their creature types. Mm-hmm. Since I believe March of Machines, but it's it maybe a bit earlier when they added Phyrexian as a creature type, Yeah. Um, they all now have three or, or uh, an extra creature type on top of what's printed mm-hmm. on the card. Uh, so on something like a Glistener Elf, then Vigan's basically one green mana plus four plus four. Mm-hmm. Um, same for Ikaclomer and Blighted Agent, one mana plus four plus four. Um, with essentially no work. Mm-hmm. So it's, I guess, a groundswell that you don't need to play a land to activate. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, basically all, all of them are plus four plus four, because even the Ikaclomers, an artifact creature... Phyrexian Myrrh. So yeah, just, it just, just the snake. The snake is plus three, plus three, because it's only a sna- uh, Phyrexian snake. Yeah. So just creature Phyrexian snake. But yeah, the, the other 12 creatures, it's one mana plus four, plus four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. And then because of that, because you run the gates and you run Embiggen and Vines, which are the only other pump spells, I guess, generally, but even still Vines is arguable if it's classed as a pump spell you generally yeah. from there because you're running gates your main focus is the rest of the spells are protection so it runs like four apostles blessing four Va- vines of asswood and three shore ups which are all protection spells and then after that it ran it runs three rancor four distortion strikes which are basically just evasion yeah. so which are mainly just for your glistening elf your non-blighted agent creatures i guess it does seem like, yeah, like you're touching on there, from running the gate package, you can trim on the random pump spells that you would use to mm-hmm. have to play in Infect mm-hmm. um, and focus more on, on protection and, like, evasion. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it really cool deck. Um, the sideboard, um, nothing out of the ordinary. A couple of dispels and a couple of spell tiers. Um some nature's claims and a serene heart for artifacts and enchantments. A couple of tormod scripts for terror. A couple of weathers for mono red. And then I guess the interesting package mm-hmm. is uh, two experimental augury and two prologue to phyresis. Yeah. As like cantrip card draw, but also give poison counter spells. Mm-hmm. Definitely just, it's kind of like your burst damage, I guess, is one way of looking yeah. at it. Just gets you over the edge if, you know, the. Decks have a lot of removal, or the Stonehorn dignitaries, or whatever. Kind of get you going with the prologue, and also can end the game with the auguries and stuff. Mm. It's definitely an interesting one, for sure. Um, I guess the only thing that strikes me as odd is, interestingly enough, they don't class mutagenic growth as like a protection spell, like it is in, say, fairies. Which again is another interesting one that you I would personally probably have that in here, but yeah, especially with all the X one head, because it seems it's free. It's also another thing, and you're running a lot of tap lands, so if you you can't generally play a Glisten Elf till turn three for the most part with all your gates, I guess. 
if you don't tap gate, tap gate. You can't protect it at any point until turn three. I guess all I can really think of is it doesn't really add up very well with the other pump spells. Mm. Um, you've got your four in big and your four binds that are both plus four, plus four. Mm. And then there's three rancors. There's like a more permanent pump, but by that, there's sort of nothing. Like you're not really getting to eight. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I could see mutagenic being worthwhile. Um, I don't know how how much you need the the three rancors with four distortion strikes as mm. well, but I guess they are pretty powerful with basilisk gate. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's definitely interesting. Like it is, it could be just a space issue, and generally the the hard protection and going a lot slower because you are slower anyways with the gates. So maybe that's just kind of rounded off. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's just kind of made it, there's no space for it. But that was the first thing that jumped out at me is no mutagenics. I guess the rest of the pump spells, you know, the is it the seal of strength and might of all Corosa and all that. Yeah, like, like landmark auger and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, all, all that's fine. Like, it's just generally chaff of old school infect and the gates is definitely a a good addition to that to free up so much space. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet one. Do you want to move on to Pop again? The Pierre de Resistance. <laughs> this is definitely what we're after. So for those that don't know, Pop again is I'm gonna just dub this. This is it's the World Cup of Pauper. It is the biggest Pauper event generally of the year. And no matter which one is the massive, there's three uh, I believe there's three held every year, it could be four, I'm not entirely sure. But they are basically in different locations um, around Italy. The previous one was in Lecker, I believe, without pronouncing, pronouncing that terribly wrong, probably. <laughs> I'm sure that's where the last one was. And then this one was in Pisa. They have insane attendance, like almost old school GP levels. Um, this one had 481 players in a two-day main event. The Lecker, I believe, had 600-odd players. So it, the, the absolute numbers are phenomenal. And um, Alessandro and all the team are doing insanely well with this. And it is just definitely just one of the pinnacles of pop. People who are interested in pop are just are definitely there. Um, it's one thing. we It is on our list. We will eventually get there. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Life and all that. Huh? What can I say? <laughs> but, yeah, that that's basically part of the game. We, we definitely want to get there, and I'll let you take it away with the top eight. Yeah. Um, again, another pretty cool top eight. It's less varied than we've seen mm. uh, in the previous results. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, Lord of the Rings was legal. Um, so that sort of has some lean on, on what did well and what was sort of a breakout deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so first place, Affinity again. Um, is that three, three first place, the two challenges and then Port Begheaden? Mm-hmm. Um, second place, Ultratron. Obviously another good showing in a paper event. Um, third and fourth was another Affinity and a Boros Synth. Um, and then fifth through eighth was two more Boros Synths, another Affinity and a, a Mono Blue Fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously if Affinity done, it is still probably the best deck in Barber. Um they keep 
Bannon cards, but the cards for the band don't really matter because they're not bridges. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's still you, you ban a card, it just replaces it with something else, or always it's print something else to replace it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the tournament in general, I think Boros Synth is probably the definitely the most talked about deck. Hundred um, percent. I'm just um, trying to find the meta analysis as well, yeah. which. We- but yeah, Rock and um, Lambus, um, Lambus bred from Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, in I think all the Boros Synth lists in the top eight. Bar Mengo's list, which was the fifth. Oh, did place. he not play any? No, he played zero. That's disappointing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, La- Lambus was probably one of the more talked about cards. Um, which for for anyone who hasn't seen the the new Lord of the Rings cards, it's sort of like. A golden egg Ica Wellspring um type card. It's two mana artifact um food. When mm-hmm. it enters the battlefield, you scry one and draw a card. Um you can pay two and sack it like a food to gain three. Um but when it's put in um to your graveyard from the battlefield, you shuffle it back into your deck. Um so it's like a Ica Wellspring golden egg that you can rebuy. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the scry as well, like the ETB scry one draw card is like so much more powerful than just blind draw. Yeah. Um, I think that's the main takeaway from that. Yeah. Um, I think most of the lists were on like two, I believe, maybe three. I could be wrong. It was like the starting yeah, so point. The, one of them in the top four was on four. Yeah. So it was on um, four. The... four and one Wellspring. And then... Yeah, that was Mengus was on zero, and the other one was on three. Three, yeah, because so the I believe Mengus wrote an article on his deck and how he got to the choices. The original deck had, I believe, two and mm. three barbed battlefists and three wellsprings. I think was like the starting point because they had to test obviously knowing that Lord of the Rings was going to be legal. And overall, he said he preferred wellspring. But he's unsure if that's the correct choice because he mm. liked it with all, all the sacrifice things like munitions and boundary helix. But he can, um, he, he did. He wasn't really sold on either way. So I believe with everyone saying how well it did, the Lambas, I, I can understand it being hundred percent. With a bit more tune, I I think it'll be a four of in the Boros yeah. list moving forward. Um, another, I guess it was. It's also four of in the Ultratron as well. Yeah, which is again another deck where it just is insane. It's so much better, I guess. When you're also churning through your deck as well with Ultratron, probably a bit more too. So yeah. The do you want to go through? Do you think if we go through the, I guess the non Boros decks. Uh, yeah. Boros synth decks, as we're gonna highlight as our uh, spoiler spoiler for uh, further ahead, the the deck we're gonna highlight is the Boros synth, just in general as an overview. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if we start by going through the other decks, yeah. which I guess is three three affinity, uh, an Ultratron and a Mono Blue. Yeah. So I guess um, we'll just go through. Do you want to just highlight affinity as a whole? Just go one, like just go through affinity and then see if there's any different major differences between the lists or yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, 
so the the first place affinity was a, a frogmite frogmite build mm-hmm. um as i touched on before playing a lot of draw twos i think it's got 11 mm-hmm. out of the 12 with only three reckoners bargain um bar that it's a fairly stock list there's nothing too spicy um i guess wonga magangler in the main yeah. um because it's not playing serpents um the other two affinity decks um one was playing frogmites again one gamag angler the draw twos in this one was on 10 so four deadly spirit four reckoners bargain two thought casts um couple of rebukes couple of spell bombs in the main yeah cuts the cuts two spell bomb uh, cuts two chromatic stars from pretty much from from the other list it looks like there's one less frogmite for another kenku and yeah. two less stars for two spell bombs roughly with the, with much, the, with yeah. the draw spells as well um, um and then the the final one again on frogmite three frogmite and um, this one's on gear seeker servants two kenku two gear seekers mm. um a one of spell bomb again in the main um, and a couple of rebukes, and then draw twos. I think this one's on N8 as well. Yeah, four bargain, four dispute, two thoughtcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, barring those, there's not huge amounts of sort of new innovation or, or tech. Um, there's no Somber Helper Guards, anything like that. Um, it's one of turn aside in, in the sideboard um, of this third one, um, which it's it's not stock, but you see it occasionally. Yeah, just anti-dusted us tech really. Um I believe, right? Yeah. And then there's one I've passed into the fire in the second one as well. Yeah, the top four. Yeah. Uh, the top of the top four. Yeah, there's one one cast in the fire, which I guess is a another card we'll probably touch on in the, the Boros mm-hmm. um overview. So the second deck, um or the second place deck was a an ultratron mm-hmm. um this to me is quite a cool version of ultratron um it's again cutting down on on the weathers but it runs a, a teachings package mm-hmm. um and then goes hard on the four ancient stirrings and four lambas spread um mm-hmm. or i guess it's just called lambas isn't it um cutting cutting down on the wellsprings still two wellsprings um, so not cutting it completely, but yeah, four Lambus, four Ancient Stirrings, um, trimming on Golden Foundries because you, you're going to find them more easily. Um, and then, yeah, the teachings, teachings package to pick up things like like Weather, like Dispute, like Bargain. But then you get a lot of access to a lot of different stuff in the sideboard too, which is quite nice. Let's yeah. opens up a lot of space. Just as a one-off teachings is pretty nice. Yeah, it means things like your serene heart, um, your breath weapon, um, your scatter shot in the sideboard, even ancient grudge. You've got a lot more access to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, we've we've touched on it already. Ultratron in paper is a is the real deal. It's it's one of the best decks in paper. Yeah, it it's won the last paper given as well. Yeah. So it's definitely a powerhouse for sure. I was watching the top eight. I was like, are we gonna get another? Uh, yeah. Ultratron victory. <laughs> we were not quite there, unfortunately. No, not, yeah, not quite. Um, and then I guess the final non-Boros list was the um, Fate list. Mm. 
there's nothing too out the ordinary. There's a couple of preordains and a force fight mm. instead of what a Brian Barrow, a mutagenic, and a off one mind. Yeah. Barring that, it's a, a fairly stock fair, or, or I guess snap, snap Brian Barrow fair. Yeah. Um, bunch of blasts in the side, bunch of anoles. A um, couple of spire golems, which I guess you don't see that often in the side anymore, no. but just pretty good in the in the mirror. Yeah. Um, and then some relics to to hedge against the like terror esque matchups. Ultron, I guess as well. Would yeah. Would it be an actual thing in uh, paper? Yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah, definitely. Is there no. Anything you want to touch on from them? No, I I do like the. Uh... The Tom Ross special of the four, one of four spike, all <laughs> I just love those kind of one of gotcha cards. That you just you get them someone on turn one, and you just haunt the rest of their event. They're just constantly playing. They have, to, they have to play around it for yeah. the rest of the games yeah. as well. <laughs> it's just like yep, yeah, that's it. All you need is the one. Um, yeah, no, I think I'm. I guess before we highlight the Boros deck, I guess roughly. Um, the numbers on the event because obviously there's quite a lot of players and the most played deck was mono blue fair at 13 percent mm. and it only had one top eight it was definitely i'd say one of the underperformers for sure with that many players um i think it it kind of worked out like 60 odd players playing fairies and only one of them managed to to top eight and i don't think there was that many in the top 16 from memory um yeah, and then the after that, you basically your next two decks were uh, Pingaburn and Boros, and Bor- uh, Boros Synth was definitely a deck that people were obviously testing. I don't say in the background, but it kind of feels like that because it's definitely it was a deck before um, Lord of the Rings set came out. Boros Battlefist was kind of a and it's definitely not, I haven't really seen any refined lists since, you know, here's the new card, here's Barb Batterfist. And it's definitely just, definitely the breakout deck of the tournament for sure. Um, Gardens as well was another, I'd say definitely another underperformer for sure. Yeah. Um, it was the, I don't know, it was the f- tied for the fourth most played deck at 7%. And I think it had one in the top 16 is that like so it definitely wasn't but again it's probably got the issue as we've mentioned that there's no refined list all mm. the lists are all over the spot so that not only is that difficult for your opponent to play around what you could have it's also it's just you know you it's hard for you to understand like work out which cards are just the best ones to go for so he's guild swan prowler better than Lamo visionaries fungal infection better than suffocating fumes it just leads a lot a lot more like messing around when you've got a test for such a large event like this um but i'm not going to go through the whole percentages but those are the kind of ones i would want to highlight also i guess if you don't class um if you don't class pinger burn and cold author burn as two separate decks uh, as you cast class them as one whole this is mono red it was the most played deck at basically eight percent and seven percent Personally, I think you do generally, you approach them generally the same with slight differences. So I would like, to, I personally would class them as two different decks anyways. 
Um, but just to note, there was 8% 7%, 8 burn, 7% Cold Author, and Cold Author was the highest, I believe. I think it came ninth, I think it mm. was. It was it was in the top 16, and there was only one copy, I believe. I think after that, the only Cold Author S card was someone was playing Cold Author in Mogwarts or Goblin Combo. Um, but yeah, what that, was the percentage of affinity out of interest? Uh, percentage of affinity was 7%. So, oh, okay. so you had eight percent of Boros Synth and seven percent at Affinity. Um, they worked out at roughly thirty-three pilots for Affinity and thirty-eight pilots for Boros Synth, and you had three of each in the top eight. So, I guess really looking looking at that, then all the what you would expect to be the top decks were all fairly similar in numbers. Yeah. Um. Like a few a few more pilots from Mono Blue, but it's not miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does seem pretty balanced. I, I know from looking at them numbers, there was quite a a large percentage of uncategorized decks as well. Yeah, um, which are just like yeah, which are like brews and and things of that nature. Um, which is great to see as well. Yeah, the the only thing that was surprising to me was the low percentage of Altatron. That was the only one yeah. which was four percent. Um, so that's the only thing that was quite surprising to me because generally going into this, I would have thought Altatron would have been one of the decks to have an eye on because it's definitely a deck that is incredibly strong. Uh, it does really well generally in paper events, um, and I would have thought with a a, a a tournament this competitive, people would have been more in it. But clearly, other decks were better picked, I guess. Mm. Do you want to move on to, to talking about the, the Boris Synth deck overall, I guess? Yeah, sure. So, Boris Synth is a deck, as we touched on earlier, that has been around since Experimental Synthesizer. And it was generally like we've seen in the first challenge. It was like a Seeker of the Way, Prismatic Strands-esque kind of deck. And it gained value off Experimental Synthesizer and... Um, Core Skyfisher slash Glinthawk using those to kind of do that, gain some card advantage there and it kind of got new toys with Barbed Batterfist which for those that don't know is from All Will Be One and it is a one and a red for an equipment which has four Mirrodin which is similar to Living Weapon but when it comes into play it makes a 2-2 and then attaches the equipment to it and a quick creature gets plus one, minus one, and it has an equip cost of one. So effectively, you make a 2-2 two, two, that is basically a 3-1, which is obviously very aggressive. Um, and then if you bounce the equipment, you still keep the 2-2. Two, two. So, so your value engine, your experimental synthesizer engine, makes threats, which it didn't do before all will be one, really. Yeah. Um. And also the equipment, if your 2-2 dies, your equipment can easily go on basically every creature you have. You can turn your Core Skyfisher into a 3-2 or your Glinthawk into a 3-1 and they both fly. So you're obviously gaining a lot more power. You're having a lot more power on the board, which to me also allows you to be a, a lot more aggressive, which you can see by most of these lists running um, Galv Blast, Lightning Bolt and Foundry Helix. Um, so that's a general overview of the deck and I think 
going forward, this is definitely going to be one of the decks, especially with how well it's done in Power Again. I think it's probably going to be yeah. one of the decks to beat, not just because of, oh, look, new toys, but it genuinely is a strong deck. And Car Skyfish and Glint Hawk Experimental Synthesizer engines have been pretty good and gone under the radar for probably quite some time now. And I think Skyfisher in general is probably just the best static body in Pauper right now on mm. curve. Like two mana, two free flyers is surprisingly hard to deal with. And mm. um, it stops a lot of attackers. It dodges a lot of removal. Mm-hmm. Um and can attack through a lot of a lot of things. And obviously you've got the the bat batter fist value off that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think just the the gain of these type of decks mm-hmm. um from the Lambus, from the, the casting of the fires from Lord of the Rings. Um and even we didn't see it in this tournament, um, but I've seen people testing the new um Rapno Blast card. Uh, I'm not sure what it's called. Improvised club. Yeah, it's based from Lord of the Rings as well. It's one red instant mm-hmm. and you sack an artifact or creature deal four damage mm-hmm. to any target. Um so when you're gaining Lembus and, and cast into the fire that are really premium, I would say, pauper cards. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even um this cl- uh, makeshift club. It's it's a big injection of not only power but interest in other into the archetype. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there there is. I could see it easily replacing Boundary Helix. There is pros and cons to both for sure. You know, gain and life being multicolored are both two big pulls for Boundary Helix. Yeah. Um. Obviously, costing two is the biggest pull for. Yeah improvised club i think it's called i'm got to find out the name of this card yeah i think yeah you're right basically costing two being able to fire it off earlier like sacking a simph if you need to or, or a mm-hmm. lambus and it, the lambus getting shuffled back in mm-hmm. um is a big deal definitely um, th- three mana in a deck that essentially i think foundry helix is the only three drop yeah and um, everything else is two or less mm-hmm. so being able to keep the full deck at two or less means you can run pretty lean on on your mana mm-hmm. yeah and it, it, it's definitely a, a great card it's a card that hasn't really seen much play and in this deck it definitely shines for sure um being able to kill the guardians is a big thing especially in bigger events yeah. where you expect core gate and stuff um but if you don't expect a lot of burn and a lot of core gate which again could just be a local matter i'd 100 percent be on improvised club because it's just cheaper and it does basically the same thing. Um, I guess the yeah the other the other main difference between these lists, I guess, is um is it the garrisons I wanted to touch on? Oh, the Boris garrisons. Yeah. In the that's in the um Marpo Casotto list. And a, a lot of old campus and two Boris garrisons. Mm. And Mengu, I think, was on two as well. But the fourth... Ah, yeah, he has two garrisons as well. But the third place list was on basically zero. It was on just three bridges, three dens, three furnace, four crags, yeah. and then some basics. Like, I do think Boros garrison, in general, is a pretty solid one. Allows you to run lower land, like, not lower land camp, but basically keep lower lower land hands because obviously it's, as people will know Karoo lands are just great in Pauper 
especially for a deck like this where you're going slow. I'm definitely a big fan of Garrisons for sure. I think interestingly in this case, the two decks that ran the Garrisons actually run 21 lands mm. and the other one ran 20. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can I can sort of see it, especially with the Foundry Helixes. I believe mm. both of those ran more Foundry Helixes. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, they both ran two rather than the Singleton. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I imagine this deck's going to stay a lot lower to the ground and not going to run garrisons, mm. especially with the sort of amount of ponds that it's about at the moment. And mm. um, it's just not really an, a risk that you need to be taking. Um, and, and you can just keep a, a really clean mana base. Mm. I guess the big difference is, is probably the differences in the formats so this tra yeah. this deck transitioning to magic online is just going to be in a field of ponza which yeah. even little things like the third place list running three rustvales and four windscard crags i imagine if that yeah. was on magic online it would transition the other way around just because it's free enough um and all that sort of thing so like going lower to the ground exactly as you say goes under ponza a lot better than than um like the other lists that went 21 lands with double garrison and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I think the, the last thing I've got to mention on these really is one thing they all had in common is they had four cast into the fire somewhere mm. in the 75. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably, alongside Lambus, is a, a huge addition to Pauper as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's a, a one red instant. Um, and it's modal, so you either deal one damage to up to two target creatures, um, or you exile target artifact. So it's something that you can you can put in the main deck, and it has multiple uses against different decks. So against Affinity, you can plug lands. Against Ultratron, you can disrupt them. Or against Fear, you have the mod, you can ping down the guys. Um, but especially as a as a sideboard slot, it's so versatile. It gives you a lot more room in your sideboard. You don't have to be running things like um, End of Festivities or Electricery because mm -hmm. your artifact removal now does that as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's probably going to be one of the most influential cards we get to Pauper. Um, hopefully for a long time because... <laughs> I think if they start printing cast of the fire level cards every set, we may be in trouble. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a huge, huge addition to the format. I think the thing is, one thing that's definitely quote-unquote been banned for a long time in Pauper is sideboard. Um, generally, you have, joke aside, you have basically 15 cards in your sideboard and 12 of them will be automatically closed out for eight or six cards for this, six cards for that, you've got three cards, sideboard slots to mess yeah. about with, all that sort of stuff. Because nowadays with the power level of Pauper, like four Weather the Storm or four Crimson Acolytes or Ar Arishing Clerics just isn't going to cut your burn matchup. You can't just add two or three sideboard slots for burn and that's it sorted. The decks are so powerful that same is true for Dust, uh, for dust to Dust Revoke and now cast into the fire. Like these cards are just so you need more than one. Like the first dust just slows them down. This third one probably kills them. 
Like, it's to that level of absurdity that these 15-card sideboards, so cards like Smash the Dust, cards like Cast Into the Fire, are great for Pauper because they open up your sideboard cards slots and yeah. both effects being so relevant. They they help with Kuldotha, they help with Fairies, and they also help with Affinity, which are three of the top decks in the format. Yeah. Um, noticeably as well, all three lists ran more than just the forecast into the fires for affinity as well like the card is good don't get me wrong but as as just said there you can't just go here's forecast into the fires i've helped with my x1 matchup and also i've helped with affinity like the eighth place runs two revokes mengo's list runs two revokes also and i think the other one runs two dust to dusts yeah it does yeah which is quite funny since uh, the one that runs the least lands and also then runs the most expensive <laughs> one, but hey oh. Um, and then did the best. <laughs> yeah. Power of Dust to Dust. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, the card is incredible, and so is Lembas. Uh, definitely seems like a sweet addition too. Obviously that one's a lot closer than just it fits in this slot, but Casting the Fire, definitely a standout card of the of the event and of Lord of the Rings set for sure for Boba. Yeah. It was definitely, definitely looks strong, when you look at it initially, and it, it to me, watching it over the weekend, it just overperforms what you think it does. For sure. Um, I guess the other thing, I guess, to me is don't underestimate the power of Barb Batfist as well. As much as I looked at it and I thought when I when All Will Be One first came out, and I wasn't really high on this card, I thought it was okay. Like, it's a two mana three one, like how good's that? But when you're making four of them and the other three are leaving two twos behind. Yeah. And you're, you know, it's just so strong. And then if they then kill the two two or the three one, later on in the game, every threat you play, like you play a core sky fisher, you can slam two bad bat fists onto it. And, you know, it's still surviving. And you hit yeah, the four. Yeah, I think as soon as you, you cast it, cast a glint off, pick up the equipment, and then replay the equipment, you sort of see how good it actually is. Yeah. Um, Like you say, late game, you have a, a bad bat if it's sat in play, nothing else, you rip a glint hawk, you've now got a 3-1 and a 2-2 mm. um, off one draw. The yeah. uh, the real deceiving thing about these decks, similar with Mardu Synth previously, and Boros Synth now, is they... They are so low to the ground with basically only having one to two three drops being the foundry helix, which again, depending on your meta, is a questionable choice if you want that or the new improvised club. Um, having only ones and twos is looks like oh, it's just an aggro deck. Like, do not be fooled, this deck can go toe to toe with any card advantage. Yeah. Core Sky Fisher and Experimental Synthesizer is an incredibly powerful engine that looks deceptively like okay but it's incredibly strong yeah for sure um but yeah pop again mint mint event overall great to watch oh yes and um, cool to see these innovations cool to see the new lord of the rings cards taken shape mm -hmm. i believe they're on magic online now so um this weekend's challenges we'll probably see them um so i imagine we'll we'll go over them next episode mm -hmm. um I think to sort of finish us off, as we I feel like we've run on quite long. Yeah, yeah. And um, we have some expectations of how pop will shake out following these events. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my first one is the most obvious take. Um, 
that this new version of Boros Synth with Lambus with Casting the Fire um will take off and be and be very popular. Um I don't think that's a a pretty it's not a hot take. Mm-hmm. Um I think it is is a fairly obvious one. It's a deck, especially in stuff like leagues. Um you can run it out very quickly. Um and in challenges you can take on a lot of different decks and be able to have tools to fight them. Um sure. so I imagine we'll we'll start seeing that crop up a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Um I think my, my take is kind of following that as well, which I believe fairies will probably naturally start taking a downward turn. Um mm. it was the most played deck at Popageddon and I probably imagine it'll it has a terrible Boros synth matchup anyways. Plus, cast into the fire just makes it even more horrendous. Yeah. That I feel like with this deck taking a natural uptrend, fairies will just naturally go down. It just can't. I don't think it, it has a way to compete. So yeah, I think especially if the Boris Synth decks start a run, cast into the fires in the main, and mm. um, when the fairies decks are trying to get ninjas through random two twos on the ground and fairies flew through two twos and two threes in the air. Mm-hmm. As well as just getting two for one constantly, it's, it's not going to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my second one was that um, Affinity, obviously, is constantly proven it is the best deck in Pauper still. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine more people now pick that up again. Mm-hmm. Um, after seeing how well it's done, it's obviously came first in both those challenges, um, and put huge numbers into the top eight of Pauper again. Including um, another win as well. Yeah, so I can see, I, I can definitely see more people picking up Affinity and and doing well with it. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one because it's nothing's really changed. It's got nothing new. It, in actual fact, it's got worse in the sense that Lord of the Rings has released another hate card for it. Yeah. But the deck's still a powerhouse and there's no real, I don't really understand why, like as we've spoke about in previous episodes, why it's took such a low hit, like there's very few pilots still put up results, but it still didn't get popular again, and I don't know why, but hopefully this giant event with Affinity taking a resurgence might actually make people realise, actually even though there is Dust to Dust, there is Cast Into the Fire, there is Revoke, it is still a strong deck. Yeah, I feel like people probably just got bored with it. Yeah. Um obviously you still you see the grinders who are who specialise in affinity playing it every week mm. and doing well with it every week. Um but you generally don't see that huge amount of numbers. Um but something like a, an event like this can bump up those numbers. Yeah. I guess my last take's not really a hot take, not really a crazy take. I think it's just more looking and reviewing the mid-range piles which kind of fit into i don't want to say ponza because ponza is a weird one that i wouldn't really class as a mid-range deck but mainly like the black green gardens the black white initiative that sort of that sort of slot which has done quite well in pauper recently obviously with black green gardens success um i believe they'll probably start to change and probably favor more black white in the coming weeks probably not next week like the immediate future but I'd say in the near future when people realise, like, Gardens looks like it would struggle against Synth. Like, I haven't played it personally, but it looks like that. It, it kind of feels like it can't keep up 
really well with the synth car sky fisher engine it can't keep up with the amount of burn it has it can't keep up with the amount of pressure it can make with batfist it just mm. generally seems like it'll probably overall have a bad time where i feel like black white initiative or the black white deck might have a better or most likely will have a better matchup it's got flyers um yeah. it has the initiative which it can then defend quite well it has Vamp- vampire sovereign too which can kind of give it the life gain to protect itself with the ephemerates and such and also has a pro i wouldn't say a better affinity matchup but it has access to better affinity here in the form of dust yeah. dust so i could see that more likely being that's kind of my take is that black white will kind of overtake the popularity of black green gardens i think yeah that's fair so anything else you would like to add before we uh call it no i think uh we've went on long enough <laughs> with this one i think obviously next week we'll be a bit more back to normal um at our <laughs> regular runtime yeah for sure um so yeah Thanks for coming back to us after our short hiatus. We will, as Risa said, be back to normal, checking out challenges from next week. So that is all from us at Casting Commons. And until next time, don't forget to stay hydrated. Bye.